All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good to see you guys. I am so thankful to be back. It's, uh, it was a little bit of a rough start to the year, but I'm glad that we are here. Whether you're following us online, whether you're watching with your family, welcome. So glad that you've joined us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. If this is your first time with us, or if you're just stepping in, uh, whether you're listening to the podcast or uh, here in, per- in person, uh, my name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. And also, if you can, uh, you can turn to Matthew 19. I'm going to make reference uh, of a few verses there, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, and then we'll get to Matthew 19 here in a little bit. Next week, next week, I want to encourage you to join us. We're going to begin a new series called Dealing with Difficult People. Have you ever dealt with the difficult person? Would you raise your hand? Okay. If you don't have your hand up, we're talking about you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, dealing with difficult people. Yeah, we've all dealt with, you know, critical people. Have you ever dealt with the critical person? Every time you see them, it's like, here it comes. You know, they're going to say something, and it's going to be critical. Dealing with needy people. Have you ever dealt with somebody that's needy? Every time that you meet them, it's like they're asking you for more money, or they're asking you for something else, or they need this, or they need that. Um, How do you deal with them? So we're going to see what Scripture says about that. Have you ever dealt with an emotional person? Uh, Emotional, emotional people. Yeah, we're going to, the title for that week is Emotional Vampires. Have you ever dealt with an emotional vampire? They suck the life out of you. I know I've dealt with some people like that. I'm sure you have as well. And so that's coming up next week. Today we're going to talk about grit. Help me out. Say the word grit. Say it with all your heart. Grit. Grit. Um, I want to give you a working definition so we're all on the same page. Uh, This is what I wrote down. It's not not like anything profound or anything like that, but it's... um, I think it's a good definition to help us, um, basically, as we study God's words. Here's what I wrote down. The ability, grit, the ability to persevere for long-term and meaningful goals when you face obstacles. Okay, so those two things are important. Grit, the ability to persevere for long-term, but also for meaningful goals. So I'm not asking you to persevere for something dumb, right? So the ability to persevere long-term, for, um, uh, for long-term and meaningful goals when you face obstacles. So 2021, New Year. Are you glad that we're done with 2020? How many of you are saying like, praise Jesus, we're done with 2020? Yes, yeah, some of you, you've had, you know, 2020 was a rough year. Uh, for me, 2021, I was ready to... Man, first of the year, you know, I took off the last Sunday of the year, so I was ready to go full force, and then I got COVID. First, the first of the year, I was not feeling well. By the second, I called my doctor, and I asked him, look, this is what's happening, not feeling well. My sister's also a doctor. Both of them are like, yep, you better get yourself checked out. Because I think it was like a Saturday or something. The, the third was on a Sunday. And I was ready to be here. I was ready to, to meet with you and be in person. And, of course, I found out that this, on the second that I had COVID. And so we canceled church in-person meetings. We still had church online. Um, <clears throat> but I'll be honest with you. It was a rough couple of weeks. It was rough 
you know it was not pretty my breathing got the best of me I ended up in the ER and and I still feel like you know the doctor cleared me a, a week ago but uh, on Monday last Monday but um, I still feel like there's still something going on here and and here's what I've learned here's what I learned 2021 new year new challenges new blessings new obstacles if 2020 taught us anything is that none of us know what's what's ahead none of us know what's coming our way but i guarantee you you will experience both blessings and challenges and i believe that the key for you to have a successful year is to have grit grit um in any area you could be a mom right like raising your kids like it, the definition falls in, in you know, yeah, your, the ability to persevere for long term, right? Like nobody raises up a child in two months, right? Anybody can be a good mom or a good dad for a couple of weeks, right? But it takes somebody with grit to raise a child for how long? How long does it take to raise a child? Mine are 16, 14, 12. I'm tired. I'm, I want to get it over with. You know, when do they leave the home? And I'm like, yes, yeah, free. How long does it take? Parents, help me out. A lifetime, right? takes a long time and so um yeah do you want to work you need to have grit at work oh you better believe it some of you i know 2020 man your paycheck got cut in half or somewhat significantly you know and you're upset and you're you know things were not going your way well it takes a person with grit to stick it out and say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna make it through this because there's a better there's a better future for me and for my life and sometimes when you go through those ups and downs of life, you see that the people that are successful are the people that are willing and able to stick it out. In your marriage, you need to have grit in your marriage. Oh, I, you better believe it if you want to last. So grit, the ability to persevere for long term and for meaningful goals when you face obstacles. I want to answer three questions. Where does it begin? What does it involve? What does it take to be a person of grit? grit, And how does it benefit me? Benefits are huge. Where does it begin? Where does it start? What does it involve? How does it benefit me? Let's pray for a moment. God, I just ask that for the next few minutes, you would allow us to focus on you. God, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts. God, I pray that what I say this morning, nothing new necessarily, but God, I pray that your spirit will remind us that as we begin a new year, uh, we need to hold on tight for, for dear life to you, God. And so I ask that you would encourage us and challenge us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to show you a picture. If you look on the screen real quick, this, do you know who this is? Does that face look familiar? His name is Michelangelo. Does the name sound familiar? If I say Michelangelo, you've heard the name before? So Michelangelo is born to sculpt. The guy was in a outstanding, like he could sculpt anything, okay? I mean, fantastic sculptor. He also received training painting. So he, when he was young, he, he received some training, and he was a good paint, painter, okay? Uh, Pope Julius II, when he's 33, he calls him. He says, I want you to paint the 12 apostles on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, okay? And so he makes it all, and they bring them all the way up to Rome. And uh, actually, he, the original assignment was to sculpt the figure, okay? He gets there, and they change his assignment, and they say, hey, no, 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 we don't want you to sculpt anymore, which is what he loved to do. Now we want you to paint. 
eventually, like, eventually he did it, but at first he's like, no, you know, you brought me here into sculpt, and he felt betrayed. And uh, so the Pope meets with him personally, says, look, I really want you to do this. And so, in fact, many of his, his enemies, they wanted him to say yes to the assignment of painting the 12 apostles on the Sistine Chapel because they thought that it was such a difficult task that he would give up, quit, and lose favor with the Pope. And so many of his enemies were for that. The guy, for four years, four years, begins to paint. Each one of the apostles spends four years, day in and day out. He not only paints the 12 apostles, he paints over 400, 400 figures. Imagine that. In fact, in fact, there were corners that he was painting, you know, and, and like people would say, like, nobody's going to see that. And his line was, well, God will see it, so I'm going to paint it. And now you know that, I mean, the Sistine Chapel, right? Like, it's well-known, one of the most visited places in the world. Like, artists in that time, they changed the way they would paint because of him. And at 37, he would say, you would not, many of my friends would not even recognize me because he was painting upside down. Paint would land on his face. It dripping to, like, it would get in, land on his eyes. He lost his vision. You could argue, this is a guy who had grit. No doubt, he had grit. And because of that grit, you can see that it affected, it influenced generations to come. Like I said, like hundreds of artists, they changed their methods of painting. You, you mentioned the Sistine Chapel, like, yeah, people like, visited, millions of people visit it. And so what does it take to have grit? What does it take to have grit? You know, the Bible says in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. you don't have to turn there, but it says, God says, I look for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap but I found none and I know God was talking specifically to a group of people in a spe very specific period of time but I, I, I dare say that in our culture today it's, it's, far, it's hard to find people that have grit that will go the distance and maybe you're sitting here and you're like man I have a new goal or maybe you haven't you don't have a new goal because you feel like hey, at the beginning of the year it's like every other year I've, I have goals and then you know two months later I'm done you know I've given you diet diet two weeks later I'm done well the reason why is it's not because it's not it's not a bad thing to have goals what we need is not new goals what we need is to have a little bit more what say it grit grit okay number one I wrote this down it starts in the heart. So I can't force you to do anything. I can't force you. I can't, I mean, I can inspire you. I can encourage you. But you want to have a good marriage? It's up to you. It's up to each one of you, right? It takes, right? You have, you have the wife and the husband. Like it takes, you know, not even one can, can make a marriage happen. It takes both of you. You want to you raise up good kids? The same idea, Right? And so it begins in the heart. You cannot force it on someone. And I want you to see in Mark 12, basically what happens. So you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are religious leaders, okay? They're tempting Jesus. They're trying to trick him. They're, they're attacking him. The, their goal is to put Jesus on the cross, okay? Like, let's like just say it how it is. Their goal is to find fault for the sake of ultimately crucifying him okay can we just say how it is so they're asking him questions these people they're not really wanting answers okay they, they just want to crucify him verse 28 says this by the way nobody had more grit than jesus 
28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Nothing wrong with debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, this was a tricky question. The Pharisees, the religious, the rabbis, all those people, they had determined that there were 613 command, commands in the Bible, 613 laws. Okay, They said in, in the book of Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, they said that there was one commandment for every letter of the Ten Commandments. Okay, a lot of these were made, made up rules that they, they come up, okay? But that's what they said. They, they had all agreed on the 613 laws or rules, and they would often debate, and they would categorize them into heavy laws and light laws. And they would say, okay, this one, this one, this one. This one, is it a heavy? For, for, of course, the heavy laws would have greater consequences if you broke them. And so they would debate, okay, is this one, is this, a, is this a heavy one or a light one? And so when they come to Jesus, it's an intellectual question for the sake of finding fault, and they ask him, which one is the most important one? Kind of a ridicule, they're trying to ridicule Jesus. Uh, it's like me saying, what's more important, a red light or a stop sign? Well, they're both important, right? You know, which one, you know, like, you shouldn't break either one of them. What's more important, a yellow light or a yield sign? Well, they're both important. But Jesus, I want you, I want you to see what he, how he answers. He says in verse 29, the most important one. You shouldn't even answer that question, but he, he's going to answer them, and he's actually going to make them look like fools, and I'll show you why in a minute. Is this, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your what? Help me out, church. With all your what? With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. With all your strength. So what Jesus is doing is, it's funny, he's quoting scripture to them. He's quoting Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And if, if, if you know anything about Jewish history, this verse that he's quoting, this was like a Jewish confession of faith. This was recited twice in their homes. Like this was common knowledge. They would, the Jewish people would write this down, put it all over their homes. They would write it on their forehead. So this is not like new teaching that he's given them. He's just pointing them back to something that they're, yeah, like, like this was their anthem. And so he's making them look like fools. But what's interesting to me is that from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, all the way to this point where Jesus is talking, the word heart, it shows up over 800 times. That's why I say I believe grit begins in the heart. It's got to be born here. Nobody, no, you know, you want your spouse to lose weight or to gain weight. You cannot force them to do that it's got to be born within you want your kids to grow up knowing the lord fantastic you can encourage them you can put some boundaries around them when they're young but you yourself mom dad cannot force your kids you cannot force your relationship with the lord on your fan on your kids does that make sense over 800 times the word heart shows up from deuteronomy to this time when jesus is talking why the heart what is the heart? In a sense, the heart is the hub. We're all spiritual. It's the center where all spiritual transactions happen. 
Let me, let me prove it to you. It's just a few verses. Matthew 12, 34. Listen to this. For out of the overflow of the, do you know it? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there, you, there your heart will be also. Matthew 5, 28. But I tell you that anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So where is your heart this morning? It's a great question to ask. To, there are times in my life where my heart gets a little bit bitter. You know, I want something, it doesn't go my way, you know. My heart gets resentful. You know, there are times when my heart gets a little bit upset in my relationship with my wife and I begin to treat her a way, the way that, that I should not treat her. She did something or whatever and then I begin to, and if I'm not careful, my heart, that's why, Jesus, that's why the Bible says, what, guard your heart, guard it with everything that you have. And so grit, it begins in the heart. It's a secret sauce. You're starting a new diet, exercise, a new goal. You want to get into God's word. You want to be a better parent. You want to be a better spouse. You want to be a harder worker. You want to be a more driven entrepreneur. You want to work on your marriage, whatever. It takes grit. Anybody can be a good spouse for a month, right? Anybody can be a good parent for a couple of weeks, but it takes grit to go the distance. John Maxwell says this. I love this. It's one of my favorite quotes from John Maxwell. He says, In a horse race, the winning horse runs out of oxygen the first half mile. He goes the rest of the way on heart. I love that. Number one, it starts in the heart. And two, write this down. Grit involves sacrifice. Now, this is something I learned a while back. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, there's this story. We don't have time to read it all, but in 2 Samuel chapter 24, I encourage you, a little homework. Go home sometime today and read the chapter. Um, it's fascinating. You'll love it. The nation of Israel is, there's a huge plague. In fact, 70,000 people have died. Now, for us, with COVID, we're like, okay, 350 or whatever the number is, you know, we don't think that's a whole lot. But, but man, for the size of the nation of Israel, 70,000 people dead, that's a big deal. People are freaking out, okay? So, 2 Samuel 24, you have the man of God, the prophet, his name is Gad, G-A-D, Gad. Everybody say Gad. So that's the prophet, that's the man of God. He comes to King David. King David, you know King David. And he says, you've got you to build this. You, you have to do a, like, a, like a burnt offering. You have to offer a sacrifice. That's the way they did it in the Old Testament. He says, you've got to ask for forgiveness on your behalf and on behalf of the nation. So that's what the man of God, the prophet, tells the king. And, and it's very, like if you read the chapter, it's very specific. He tells him who to talk to, which person to go to, where to build the altar, the sacrifice, you know, what to sacrifice, the whole thing, okay? He spells it out for King David. And David goes to this man that the prophet told him to go to, and the man says, King, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you my oxen for the sacrifice. I'm going to give you the wood from, from the threshing floor, like all the materials that you need to build the altar. I'm giving you everything, all everything. 
free of charge. I'm going to make a donation. This is for you. And David makes this incredible statement that a lot of times preachers use it to twist your arm into giving to the church or to give into a billing campaign or whatever. Sometimes it's taken out of context. I'm not going to do that today. But he makes this powerful statement that I want you to see today. David looks at this young man who's offering him basically everything for the sacrifice and David says I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that what's the next word cost me nothing David looks at this young man and he says you know what the king the prophet asked me to do this sacrifice for the for you know to ask for forgiveness and because the nation of Israel was suffering this plague because they had gotten in trouble they had been disobedient but David looks at this man and he says, you know what? I'm not going to offer something to the Lord that doesn't cost me anything. And that's the way it is with this word, grit. If you want to be a person that has grit, it takes sacrifice. You will have to, if, I don't know exactly how God's doing, like what God's saying to you this morning, but if you want to have grit in your job, there will be some sacrifices that you will have to pay. Maybe it's showing up before anybody else shows up. Maybe it's being the last one there. Maybe it's doing something that nobody, everybody else has turned their head the wrong way, the other way. It will, if you want to be a person with grit, you will have to pay some sacrifices. It's going to cost you something. In your marriage, there ought to be some sacrifices that you make. You don't go 20, 25, 30, 40 years without it costing you something. The same way it is. You want to raise a godly family? There's some boundaries that you're going to have to set up. You, you want to be committed to your finances? Absolutely, I promise you. People who are successful in the area of finances, somewhere, for most people, okay? Dave Ramsey did a, did a study of like, like a bunch of millionaires. He actually didn't do the study, but he, like he, he said, we had some nerds, he says. They had a bunch of research, and they found out um, like what's the common denominator like people who become millionaires. And it was not inheritance. It was not a bunch of other things. You know, he thought it, when, they, when they came back to him, he thought it was going to be like the rate of return, like these people invested in things, you know, that gave him a high um, rate of return. It wasn't that. You know what it was? The rate of basically investment. How often they would invest. Of course, you, if you want to make money, you have to be willing to sacrifice and invest. And so here's my point. You see someone that's exceptionally good with their finances. It's not that they're just naturally wealthy or that their parents left them with a bunch of money. More than likely is that they have this discipline somewhere and they have the grit to say yes and to say no depending on how their finances are. Let me kind of illustrate it like this. Um, I love this illustration. I think I may have shared this with you before. Um, a young boy, his older brother gets into an, a car accident and the dad comes to the younger boy and says, I think he's like six or seven, he says, son, your brother was in a pretty bad accident, lost a ton of blood. You're, you have his blood type. Could, would you be willing to give him, like he needs a blood transfusion? 
And the little boy thinks about it for a moment. He says, yes, absolutely. Takes him to the hospital. On the way there, the little boy's not saying anything. Usually he's very, you know, like very, you know, he's always moving, always talking, always saying. But this time, like he notices he's not saying anything. But the dad didn't want to stress him out and didn't say much. They get to the hospital. The, usher, the nurse ushers him to the back room, get the big needle, inject him, do the blood transfusion, everything. And then they, they take it out. And the, at that moment, the dad notices that the little boy is crying. And he says, how much longer do I have? The boy thought that what he was going to do is he's going to give all of his blood <laughs> for his brother. That's what, takes, that's what it takes to have grit. A person who has grit says, you know what? I want something that I enjoy, but I'm going to say no to that for something greater. And that little boy, like he laid it all on the line some of you, some of us, I'll include myself in this, we need to learn to say no to things that are good sometimes so that we can enjoy the things that are great in our lives. That's what fasting is. Have you ever thought about it? You know, why fast? Why does the Bible say when Jesus, right, like the disciples would come to him and it's like, teacher, like we've done great things. We've taught in your name and we've seen miracles, but there are times we cannot, you know, and then they would say, whatever, you know, we cannot cast demons or whatever. And Jesus would say, this only comes by prayer and fasting. Why fasting? Have you ever thought about it? Why? Like Jesus says, when you fast, doesn't say if, why fast? Well, fasting is saying something, it's saying no to something good, right? Food. How many of you enjoy eating? I enjoy eating. You can tell. I've been eating a little bit more than I should. I love food. But fasting is what it does. You're saying no to something good, something you enjoy for something greater. And that, in this case, will be your relationship with the Lord. And so some of you, you need to begin this year, and you, you're, you, know, you hear me talk about this word grit. It often involves sacrifice. Some of you, you've got to give up something that's good. Not necessarily talking about sin. You've got to say something like, and you, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit. You, you, know what, you know what it is. God's already convincing you of it and convicting you of it. But you've got to say no to something that you enjoy, not necessarily even a sin, for something greater. It may be your family. It may be your kids. It may be the legacy that you're going to leave behind. Nothing wrong with that. But you're going to say no to it because there's something greater on the flip side of that. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So grit, it begins in the heart. Nobody can force you. It often involves sacrifice. Number three, it's tested by actions. It's tested by action. I'm not going to go over all the verses because of time, but in Matthew 19, and, you, and you, you can read the story on your own, this young man comes up to Jesus and says, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus, of all answers, he says, he says to him, uh, obey the commandments, which is an interesting Answer, right now, now Jesus has the benefit that he knows people, our hearts. So he was trying to get somewhere with this, but it doesn't say have faith. It doesn't say, you know, say the prayer. Jesus says, obey the commandments. Which, theologically speaking, it would be incorrect, right? If you ask me, Pastor, how do I get saved? I would say, well, you know, confess your sins. Do you, you know, like what, what Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? So that's, that's the answer, right? 
Jesus doesn't say that. He says, obey the commandments. And the boy, the young man, in his pride says, I got it. I've, I've done it. You know? At first he says, which ones? And Jesus tells him, I mean, he quotes the Ten Commandments, basically. He's like, I got it. I got them all. Yeah, I'm good. And then Jesus raises a bar and he says, okay, if you want to, if you really want eternal life, then give everything you have. Give it to the poor. You'll get, you'll get rewards in heaven anyway, so you're not going to lose anything. And come follow me. Sell everything and come follow me. And the boy, the young man goes away sad. The Bible says because he, he was wealthy and he was attached to that. Now here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make. The guy wanted eternal life. He said he obeyed all the commandments. He said he was on track. But grit is actually tested. Nobody, what you say, or even what you believe, it's tested by action. There is a, um, there are three men, I think I got a picture of them, Charlie, Ray, and Kevin, um, Lynn, these guys were runners, about 15 years ago, they wanted to create or raise awareness of um, the lack of clean water in Africa. About at the time, and I don't have the, the numbers right now today, but at the time, there was about 4,500 children that would die every year under the age of five, okay, because they, there was no clean water. And so what these guys said is, man, we want to raise awareness. We want to do something to, to help this and so they're runners. They decided to run through the Sahara Desert for 111 days. They would run. They cover 4,300 miles. Imagine that. Like some of you guys, you're runners, right? Imagine running 50 miles a day. A marathon is what? How long is a marathon? 26.2 miles or something. Any of you guys ever ran a marathon before? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a few of you have raised, I mean, doing a marathon, man, it'll take it out of you. 26 miles and the point two, that's hard, okay? The point two is the hardest part. These guys were doing two marathons a day. They would get up at 4.30, they would run for 12 to 15 hours every day for 111 days. You could say there's no doubt in anybody's mind that they had grit. Their grit was not measured by their words, their strategy, their desire to raise awareness. No, it was measured by their actions. And the same way it is in your life. You want to get your grades up? Well, it's, nothing's going to happen until you sit down and you open up the books and begin to do your... I mean, it's the grind, right? You, you want to you lose weight or you want to gain weight. Nothing's going to happen until you begin to eat right and you begin to exercise. You want to get your finances straight. Nothing's going to happen until you sit down, you work on a budget, and you commit to that budget and you don't overspend. You want to... I mean, you, you name it. It's, it's whatever. You want to be a better dad or better mom, better son or daughter. Nothing's ha- going to happen until you begin to take some actionable steps. So grit, grit is tested by actions. It begins in the heart. It involves sacrifice, tested by action. And here's number four. We'll close with this one. It opens the door to achievement. And I'm going to ask the worship team, if you guys get on stage, we'll close with this one. Grit Open is the key. Is the key. Are you, are you listening? Like, it's, it's what opens the door for you for achievement. So, Julius Caesar, 
when he landed on the shores of Britain with his Roman legions, took a bold and decisive step to ensure the success of his military venture. He ordered all of his men to walk, to march, to the edge of Cliff of Dover. Cliffs of Dover. And he asked them to look down. You know what they saw when they looked down? Does anybody know? Their ships, the ships that they had used to cross the channel, they were all on fire. Julius Caesar essentially set all of the ships on fire. And so basically what he's telling his people is, there's no way back. There is only, we're going to advance and conquer. Guess what they did? They advanced and they conquered. They had grit. Grit is what gives power to the boxer one more, like when he's been knocked down, gives him power to get up one more time. It's grit is what makes the runner run that extra mile when all of his strength has left him. Grit is what makes it happen. Grit is what makes a marriage go 45 years. Grit is what makes the missionary say goodbye to family and friends. Grit is what, it's, it's what gives the power to the soldier who, is, who doesn't know what's coming over the hill. And so I didn't read this verse earlier, but in 2 Samuel 24 and 25, can we put it up? 2 Samuel 24 and 25. After David says, I'm not going to sacrifice anything that doesn't cost me nothing. This is what the Bible says. The very next verse, David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Now listen to this. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land. How cool is that? And the plague on Israel was stopped. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you know, this is, I'm not teaching you any, anything new per se. I'm just reminding you of some truths from God's word. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're exhausted. You know, I asked a friend of mine the other day, what, what, do you have any goals for the year? And this person said, no, no goals. And I said, you ought to have some goals in life. Sometimes we don't have goals, especially at the beginning of the year, because, oh, you know, we know how it goes. We, we set up our goals, and in two weeks we break them, or a month. The problem is not the goals. The problem is lack of grit. And so you can be a person that's, has no goals, never commits to anything, or you can have somebody the opposite. You know, somebody that um, doesn't necessarily know that you, if you're going to reach your goals, and so you, you're afraid to commit. Hey, even if you don't meet all like your goal of 100%, it's better. You're better off if you go a, a third of the way there, or a quarter, or you know, or three quarters of the way there. But there are people who would just live life without goals because they're afraid. They're not going to reach them. You have people that are cop-outs, never set up any goals, hold-outs, just hold out. They don't know if they're going to be able to reach them, so they're afraid to commit. You have people who are dropouts. They set up a lot of goals, but they, they just 
they quit when the going gets tough. And then you have all outs. Those are people that set goals, commit to them. They have the grit to pay the price to reach them. So let me ask you, in what area of your life, just between you and the Lord, are you wanting to have a little bit more grit? Your prayer life, your devotion, your wife, your kids, work, school, church, finances. Grit, the ability to persevere for long term, for meaningful goals when you face obstacles. I'll close with this. On May 25th, 1961, John F. Kennedy presented a bold challenge before a joint session of Congress. Many of you, you were alive at that time. He said this, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before the decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. Eight years later, on July 21st, 1969, Neil Armstrong made two of the most unbelievable statements I've ever heard. He said, the first one said, Houston, the eagle has landed. And then the next one, as he put his left foot down on the moon's surface, he says, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I just read that in less than 30 seconds. Pretty incredible. But I promise you, it was not as easy as I just made it out to be. It's a lot of money spent, lots of risk taken, many challenges they had to overcome. There were lives at stake. And I'll tell you, without grit, there would have been no success. Grit, yes, it involves risk. It involves sacrifice. But in the end, I promise you, it's always worth it. Look at our Savior. Before, minutes before the cross, sweating, bloods of tears of blood, says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I see a Savior who teaches us what grit is all about. I see a Savior that teaches us how to be real men of God, real women of God who will go the distance. How many of you here today say, Pastor, would you pray for me? There's an area of my life where I need to have a little bit more grit. Yep, I see that hand. I see the hand. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. Look, this message comes from somebody from a position of weakness. I told our volunteers earlier, man, so often I feel like so flimsy, you know? It's easy to preach a message like this. It's hard to be a man of integrity. It's, it's hard to honor my wife when my temper gets in the way. It's hard to discipline my kids and to love them the way God wants me to. But we can all do it. We have His Spirit in each one of us. You lack nothing. If you're a believer, you have the power. You don't have a junior-sized spirit. You have the power of Almighty God in you. And so would you just willingly surrender that to Him, just like Jesus did moments before the cross? Would you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to this. 2021 is going to be the year of, and you give it to Him. You surrender it and go the distance, and you'll see what God will do. 
Father God, you've seen our hands. You know the challenges. Father, I pray that you would do what we can do. God, I pray that you would go to places where we can't go, Lord. Fill in the gap, Father. So we give you our hearts. We commit to you today. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand?